whistleblower report exposing lies deceptions and all that has assaulted our way of life we must take back our freedom and live as god designed in a free america that honors our constitution and our creator our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. For such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report Vaccine Report with my guest, Dr. Mike Eden and Dr. Jonathan Gilthorpe, bringing us the news from the other side of the Atlantic in the UK and Sweden and how what's going on with the World Health Organization and new data on the vaccine, the COVID-19 experimental gene therapy, toxic by design shots are damaging human reproduction across the board, damaging children, women, men, leading to early testicular failure in men, loss of testosterone in men, and early menopause in women that is truly shocking. And Dr. Gilthorpe's going to be talking about the decline in live births. Dr. Eden is going to give us a background, again, summarizing exactly how the toxic by design COVID shots are damaging the ovaries and testicles. But I want everyone to understand all of this damage was known at least 15 to 20 years ago, before, long before the shots were rolled out, and it was all published in the pharmaceutical research. Now, the average person didn't know that and wouldn't have an easy time finding it, and the average practicing doctor probably would have a hard time finding this information. But research scientists like Dr. Yeadon and Dr. Gilfarb knew It was there and tried to warn, and the warnings went unheeded. In addition, we know that Bill Gates's vaccine research, WHO, and others were researching the use of vaccines as contraceptives leading to sterility many years ago. That goes back, actually, to the 1960s and 1970s. Most people would be shocked to know that. But this has been over my career in medicine that all of this has been going on. And in fact, you've heard Dr. Jancy Lindsay on earlier vaccine reports talk about the fact that she actually worked in settings where that was the focus of the research, using vaccines to prevent pregnancy. Now, she left that work because it bothered her greatly as a matter of conscience. And as a scientist, she did not want to be part of that. 
But that is very real. This is not a conspiracy theory. It has been a hidden aspect of vaccine work for and research going back to the 1960s. So America and the world listening, listen up. These are critically important topics and you need to heed the warnings. And if you've gotten the shots, don't get any more boosters and be careful not to take shots, vaccines going forward that are now made with the mRNA technology that can cause ongoing damage. So welcome, Dr. Yeadon and Dr. Gilthorpe. And Dr. Yeadon, let's start with you giving us a background on the specific science of the reproductive toxicity. Certainly. Thank you, Dr. Lee. Uh, pleasure to be with you again. And Dr. Gilthorpe, good to speak to the audience out there. Thank you for thank you for listening. And as I often say, please tell your friends that aren't on listening to this call what you're learning. Uh, because I can't reach them and the media will never tell them the truth. So if, if you were hearing if you were hearing me and Jonathan, Dr. Lee, uh, please uh, take that burden on and speak to other people because it's the only way our message will reach the wider circle. So yes, scientifically, uh, so I had a whole career in the pharmaceutical industry doing something that we would call uh, rational drug design. We think about what we're trying to accomplish with a drug and what are the kind of physical characteristics required to, to accomplish those aims, what kind of uh, structures, you know, so-called functional groups, how, how would we want the molecule to interact with the body to bring about the desirable properties we want therapeutically with as few side effects as possible. So I say to people, given I have that background of over 30 years, uh, that I, whilst I'm not a mind reader, I can look at the product of uh, you know rational drug design, I can look at other people's drugs and work out what were they trying to accomplish with by looking at the structure and the performance of the molecule. I can work out very often what they were trying to do, not what they said they were doing, what they were likely to want to do based on the structure. And so when I saw uh, these gene-based products, and I, I will credit uh, Dr. Wolfgang Vodarg, W O. D-A-R-G in Germany for the first thought we had this conversation and he pointed out that the so-called spike protein this thing sticking out of the outside of the cartoon virus that you see on your tv sets he said that protein uh, has some similarity not strongly but some similarity with a protein called syncytin so syncytins are uh, proteins that are absolutely required for the formation of uh, ultimately, the placenta. There's other complicated, hard to pronounce things before that. But rest assured that that protein, syncytin, and there are several of them in this family, they're necessary for mammals to reproduce. Um, and so uh, having some similarity in the sequence, this genetic sequence of DNA or mRNA coming at us through these, these novel vaccines, so they called them, made me think of this. And that is that the idea of vaccine was to uh, prompt your immune system to form an immune reaction to the thing that was being presented. So I figured, well, if you made, for example, antibodies against this uh, genetically encoded spike protein, uh, if it's similar, slight, even slightly similar to this female hormone, syncytin, it's possible that the anti some of the antibodies would cross-react with at least some of the 
proteins in, uh, in, in the uterus or in the ovary. Um, and so we put out there as one of four things we were very concerned about. We said, we can't be sure either way, but the precautionary principle should say, don't expose women of childbearing potential, certainly not pregnant women, to this stuff uh, unless and until it's been fully explored with reproductive toxicology and, and experience in humans to show it's safe. And as, as soon as we published this open letter that had this and three other concerns, that the ceiling fell in on, on the pair of us. We were both smeared by our national broadcasters and deplatformed within a week from everywhere. So I think, as they say, when you're taking flack, you're, you're over the target. So that was one thing I was concerned that it, this, these might reduce the chance of even getting pregnant and potentially cause premature uh, loss, you know, uh, pre uh, you know uh, miscarriage. So that was one, one thing. Another thing I noticed was that the actual with um, uh, formulation you have to wrap a molecule in something to make a tablet or a spray or an ointment, in this case, a solution. And what they did is they wrapped it in lipid nanoparticles, LNP, and they're a mimic for the outer wall of every one of the cells. Your body consists of a whole bunch of cells like bricks. Um, and the lipid nanoparticles, <clears throat> I'd been doing some reading and I, because I'm alert, I noticed things. And I came across a paper pretty much a decade earlier, which said, that these kind of vehicles, as they are called, vehicles for macromolecules like, like DNA and mRNA, accumulate in the ovaries of uh, all animals tested, certainly rats and rabbits um, and mice uh, that have been looked at. And, and they even titled the paper, Is This an Unappreciated uh, Reproductive Toxicity Risk? And uh, so that's in the period, that's in the journal, journal uh, American Journal of Medicine, it's in peer reviewed journal articles. What I'm telling you is that there's no question that Pfizer and Moderna knew perfectly well when they chose that vehicle that it would accumulate in human ovaries. And I finally can tell you that there was a, a Freedom of Information Act request uh, put out to the Japanese regulators that disclosed that they had demanded Pfizer conduct a distribution study of their vaccine in animals before they approved it. And that study was was released, and we have copies of that. And I'm afraid it shows exactly what I just said. They accumulate um, in the ovaries, I think something like 20x over the background. So that's the sort of background that these, it is, in, it is my, um, my experienced opinion, um, and I think I'm qualified to give it, that these are deliberately designed to produce unwanted, what I would regard as unwanted effects on, on human fertility, potentially to uh, uh, permanently uh, damage the ovarian function. And I think that is what we are uh, seeing in the real world. So that, that's just in brief what I was seeing at the end of 2020 and, and hereafter. So, Well, just to comment to your point, Dr. Yeadon, as a practicing physician who has specialized in climacteric medicine for the last 38 years, that was exactly my concern medically as soon as you brought that out. And that is what I've been seeing in my medical practice because I treat women and men from puberty to late life after menopause and after andropause in men. And I've been seeing this hormonal damage to ovaries and testicles in patients of mine, literally from puberty through late life. It is staggering the damage from the shots that I'm seeing 
played out in my medical practice. Yeah. So I, I, it yeah, leads would, into what Jonathan can bring us uh, with the data. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Dr. Lee and uh, Dr. Mike. It's great to be on the show again after a short break. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, after you to thank Mike for introducing me to this concept of sensitin, because although through my developmental uh, biology background, research background, I knew how important this protein was for formation of the placenta. I didn't really appreciate how potentially evil this plan was to, you know, release a virus or use a virus that that carried this particular protein. And I know we have different views about <laughs> the role of viruses in the in the pandemic or alleged pandemic, but at least this protein is very, very important for the formation of the placenta. And that, as I didn't understand until I started to read around this, that the WHO and the UN and various UNESCO organizations like this had long thought that the placenta would be an ideal target for an anti-contraceptive vaccine. And at that point, I had no idea that anyone would be so evil to even think about uh, developing a vaccine which blocked, you know, blocked Im implantation of the fetus or stopped people being fertile. Um, and then, of course, this story which many people know about now, but um, there is a very good um, documentary on it called Infertility, I think, A Diabolical Agenda with Andy Wakefield, who was the person that first brought up the idea that vaccines were causing autism, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr., they tell the story of this uh, trial that was done in Kenya, which involved the WHO and then later the Gates Foundation, where they vaccinated young girls in Africa of childbearing age or pre-childbearing age with uh, a vaccine against tetanus. But actually the vaccine was spiked with human chorionic gonadotrophin, which is a hormone which is essential to become pregnant. And these girls basically became infertile. And it was, I think, due to a particular government official that realized something was wrong and found this contamination that the whole story broke. Uh, otherwise, it would have been covered up completely. So there is this history, let's say, of the WHO and other world organizations targeting fertility, unbeknown to the people that receive those vaccines in order to stop population growth and render people infertile. So there's nothing new here that's happened with SARS-CoV-2. Um, how do we know this is affecting fertility? Well, I wrote an article back in January of uh, 2022 with uh, Dr. Sven Rahman, and he is a um, child and adult psychiatrist that I, I work together with in this Swedish organization called The Doctor's Appeal. And we wrote an article on the link between this massive drop in birth rates that we'd seen in Sweden with the mRNA, the rollout of mRNA vaccines. And why that's important is so what we saw was a historical drop in there is has been a general downward trend in birth rates in Sweden, a mild one. But what happened from January 2020, that it suddenly dropped down to minus six to fifth, 13 percent. And that coincides precisely when nine months, eight to nine months earlier, when women of fertile age started to get the vaccine in Sweden. And, and bear in mind that Sweden didn't suffer the same, um, hasn't suffered the same drop in um, uh, all-cause mortality that other countries have seen, potentially because we didn't lock down as hard or have you know tough lockdowns and restrictions that other countries have that have also affected the 
or cause mortality, but we do see this very specific effect on birth rates. And that has continued. It's still going on. Uh, Sven has uh, tweeted out about this and put things out on um, Telegram about this uh, drop in birth rates in Sweden. I mean, it's a catastrophe. It's basically an average of minus 10% month on month for the last, um, oh, since, uh, when did I say, January 2022. You know, Jonathan, uh, that that is staggering damage. That means the Swedish population will be essentially gone in what? Another generation? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and everyone, I, I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago, that all, you know, all our pensions for future are based upon birth rates, at least remaining, remaining stable, if not increasing. So there'll always be people coming into the system to pay your pension because that money doesn't exist. The governments have already spent the money that is being saved for our pension. So it needs people continually trickling in to fill up the system. Um, so it's in the massive, massive shock for, for, for future. Yes. But you well, know, this could well, and even produce- beyond that damage to paying into the pensions, the, wow. the Swedish gene pool, this were the, the, the yeah. entire, um, Swedish people are being destroyed. And, and every other nation where people have been massively vaccinated with mRNA vaccines in the fertile population, yes. Yes, except you just are tracking it more carefully and to see the specific numerical decline in Sweden. So yeah. you're bringing this to light. But yeah. but the, Sweden's a small country to begin with. And to yeah. have that kind of decline is just beyond well, I mean, comprehension. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the national press have reported on this once or twice. They say, oh, we don't really know why it's happening. Maybe people are just deciding to stop having children because there's so much uncertainty in the world. Well, oh, to do it heavens. exactly eight to nine months uh, after the rollout of the vaccine into that fertile population is um, is an enormous coincidence, if that's the case. Which no coincidence. Yeah. And the press is just covering up like the press is doing worldwide well so here is the elephant in the room i think i've mentioned this a few uh, a few weeks or months ago but the the work that was done so the goal uh, there is a who review that they read at some point that said you know the golden um the golden hope for uh, anti-fertility or fertility vaccines contraceptive vaccines was something that targeted the the placenta or the formation of the placenta. And that's, th- these cells are called trophoblasts. And this is where syncytin that Dr. Mike mentioned is so important. It lets those cells fuse to form the placenta. And without that happening, the, the embryo can't survive and it's uh, aborted. Uh, that work that, that was done to look at um, finding trophoblast um, antibodies that would block trophoblasts and cause the, you know, contraceptive vaccines to work very effectively was done in Wuhan. And all the, a lot, much of the early work on syncytin and its function uh, in trophoblast fusion and placental formation was done by the lead author on the SARS-CoV-2 paper that was then um, director of the Wuhan Institute of Virology. So all that knowledge oh about, my heavens. about syncytin being a, um, 
let's say I can't prove anything, but all the knowledge about Sinsetin being an ideal target for contraception would have been known in Wuhan. Wow, so I, that, I think that's there's, huge. There's, there's much too much more to this than meets the eye, to be honest. Well, if you can share any links to the articles you just mentioned, that would be really helpful. We'll put it in the in the program yeah. um, link so people can access these articles and read it for themselves. Yeah. So I, I, I never found a direct link between the lead author on the on the SARS-CoV-2 paper. Um, the other interesting thing, though, what he worked on before this was also prion diseases and um, prion diseases of the brain. And we know that the spike protein can form prion-like proteins and seed prion-like aggregation and is potentially one reason why we're seeing this, you know, increase in dementias and uh, people with altered behavior, less, me less good memory than they used to have. I mean, the, there are reports of this. I haven't seen any hard data on actual incidents, but you've talked about it, Dr. Lee, that you've seen clinical changes in people that have been vaccinated. Um, oh, most and, definitely across the board with my yeah. older patients that that got and they were pushed to not only get the, the initial COVID shots, but they've been definitely pushed by their primary care doctors to get every booster that's come out. And yeah. the more boosters they get, the more memory impairment I've seen. I, it's it's truly it's just so heartbreaking to me to see mm. these people that had healthy minds and alert and vibrant and no signs of dementia, now just hardly able to function. Yeah. So there is a functional link to that's been published by a Swedish research group, Per Hammerstrom in Linköping. They've shown that the spike protein can form um, small um, chopped up pieces of it when they're uh, clipped by something called neutrophil elastase. So that's an enzyme released by neutrophils, which you'll have in infiltration if you have uh, inflammatory true response yes. that will create small fragments of the spike protein which can then both seed spike protein forming these prion clumps and also causing other proteins like alzheimer's beta or tau from doing the same thing it's just it goes back to our point that it's so diabolical in design yeah and and all of these articles that you know from sweden and dr eden knows from what his research has been, we just need to put them together for our listeners to see this is how long they've known that. You know, when I wrote some of my consumer books, the publishers would say, oh, well, these are some old articles. Why don't you put in some newer ones? And I said, well, I did put in the newer ones. But the whole point is to show my readers how long they have known this and have failed to take it into account in the delivery of medical care to women who are having these problems. Mm -hmm. That's why these, these historical articles are so important because the average person can't find them. No, no, no. They, I mean, I just stumbled across that because of something Dr. Mike put out on his um, telegram channel and um, that started me looking. Uh, I mean, okay, let's say I'm totally off the wall here. I'm just a crazy conspiracy theorist, and this has nothing to do with reality. Well, even if not, these, these molecular mechanisms that would lead spike protein to potentially trigger Alzheimer's disease or infertility, etc., 
are real and they have not been investigated by the regulators before these vaccines were approved. And that that is criminal. Well, it absolutely is. And not only that, have they not been investigated prior to release? There, there is an intentional cover up by the regulators. The regulators have become the perpetrators of this crimes against humanity. And the media is covering it up, just like you said, the Swedish Media said, oh, we don't know why there's such a drop in the birth rate. Oh, it just happens to occur after the COVID shots were released. You don't think there's a connection? I, yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it's, it's appalling and it's very diabolical. It's all by design. Go back to Mike Eden's point. Dr. Eden said early on, toxic by design. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, I, I, I will... Uh... I will claim that it was quite a big. It was quite a big claim, and I received a lot of criticism for it. But it, it's you know, um, we always in the industry, the least the bits I worked in, we would work very hard to avoid what we would call put. We would avoid putting toxic motifs, things in molecules which had been associated with particular toxicity in the past. The, the chemist had a long list of these things. So, you know, there are like mast anilines, for example, because they could cause cancer after certain biotransformations. We know what we're doing mostly. <laughs> and so uh, over time, my bottom line is, uh, to save time is that people in my position know perfectly well that not only would you not uh, design a product like this because immediately it, you, would, you would know of the risks. If you work with the formulation people, they would immediately know of the risks. It's their area. Uh, and then, as you said, Dr. Lee, uh, you, we, you know, for 60 years, we, we never exposed pregnant women to experimental medical procedures. So there are about nine different ways. It cannot be a mistake. And in fact, I was talking about this to a writer you can read on Substack called Margaret Anna Alice. That's a pseudonym for protecting herself. She's got superb Substack articles. And we were talking and, and I, she was saying, Are you, how can you be sure this isn't just error? Um, and I, so I outlined, you can't have this many compounded errors without good, well-intentioned people spotting it. Uh, remember, all the drug companies came up with the same basic solution for their vaccine. They all encoded this dangerous <coughs> spike protein. And so based on that, uh, she wrote a long poem, which you can read, uh, called Mistakes Were Not Made. Uh, and I put it to you, mistakes were not made, ladies and gentlemen. The, the properties of these molecules, these so-called vaccines, were in by design from the beginning. I can imagine whiteboard conversations before they even did it. Uh, I, I know this, certainly. Anyway, well, start. I think you're absolutely right. I have no question scientifically or medically, and it's being played out exactly as one would expect medically from the science that you and Dr. Gilthorpe have explained this is Dr. Lee for America, and this is coming to the end of the first half of the Vaccine Report. Listen to all of our shows on www.whistleblowerreports.org, and we are heard Monday through Friday, 12 noon and 12 midnight Eastern time right here on americaoutloud.com. Check out our website. If you've gotten the shots, download our Vaccine Injury Treatment Guide to help you with your roadmap to recovery. It's a user-friendly, well-laid-out roadmap, step-by-step -step guide to recovery. And if you've gotten the shot, and then stop getting the boosters so that you don't keep doing 
more damage to your body and your immune system and your hormonal system. We'll be right back after the break. America Out Loud beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. Fortunately, Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at the Wellness Company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase, scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code out loud. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code out loud at cofixrx.com. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report vaccine segment with Dr. Mike Eden and Dr. Jonathan Gilthorpe, two incredibly capable, knowledgeable, pharmaceutical research scientists who understand the science behind the deadly damage of the COVID shots. And of course, I'm your physician host who is in the trenches seeing patients and seeing the science play out in the damage that my patients are experiencing who got the COVID shot. You know, I really tried to be very objective and concerned and warned people, these are experimental. We don't have adequate safety information. We don't know how they're made. We don't know how they're processed. You don't need an experimental vaccine and you don't need to take the risk. If you get sick with COVID, I'll treat you. And it was a very common sense approach. Not anti-vaccine. I've gotten vaccines in my life. Everybody um, that I know has gotten at least one or two over their lifetime. And I've never taken an anti-vaccine stance medically. I've just tried to advise individual patients what's best for them based on their needs. And that's what I was doing here. But I was overwhelmed 
by the Niagara Falls of narrative information that was false, that was dangerous, and that others in my profession were pushing these shots. Now, we know that they, many of them got incentive payments for doing so, but the patients weren't told that. And so for all of you that went ahead and got the shot, please stop getting the boosters and don't keep adding to the damage with more of the new mRNA vaccine technology that you've heard Hedley Reese and Dr. Yeadon talk about. It's not safe. They're not manufactured properly. And you don't need to take the risk. Well, one of the things that the three of us had wanted to talk about, in addition to all of the reproductive damage and the premature menopause for women and the premature testicular failure that's happening in men, we really wanted to broaden it and, and look at how the vaccine, these experimental mRNA shots attacking human reproduction, destroying men and women and children in their health and their reproduction are actually being used as part of a broader attack on us from many other directions. So Dr. Yeen, you've been thinking about that. You and I have talked about it a lot. And I'd like to start off with some of your thoughts about how you see all of these attacks coming together. Yes, certainly. <clears throat> yes, so having, having uh, started on uh, you know, realizing that something was very badly wrong very early on in 2020, uh, inappropriate uh, diagnostic tests, the so-called PCR test is completely unsuitable for a clinical diagnostic test. Uh, I, I knew the inventor, Dr. Carrie uh, Mullis, who uh, conveniently, for the perpetrators of this crime, uh, died uh, late in 2019. Uh, he always disliked Anthony Fauci, regarded him as a fraud, uh, and would tell anybody uh, at you know, his university, which he studied uh, and researched, that the use of his test, which was originally invented to be able to make, as he said, it, uh, to make a lot of something out of a little bit of something. It was a way of multiplying, amplifying the amount of DNA in a test tube so you could analyze it more easily. He said it's not suitable as a clinical diagnostic. And he said that all of his life, right up to his death. What were they using? PCR-based diagnostic tests. So early on, I didn't realize the scope of this, but I knew out of the gate that something was badly wrong, uh, inappropriate uh, and known to be ineffective measures, so-called lockdown, masking, social distancing, mass testing, and the like. I knew these things made no sense as just a respiratory pharmacologist then this PCR test, and then, as I've described before, coming at us with these, these uh, diabolically designed vaccines, I, I was very sensitized during the year 2020 to think, that this, I'm afraid this is, this is a conspiracy. There is a plot. It's not theoretical. It's being executed. And so uh, I'm a bit slow on the uptake sometimes, uh, and I didn't really realize that this is, a, this is literally a diabolical attack on humanity. It's not... I don't mean that with a lowercase g. I mean it with the big, big D. I, I do think this is not merely the product of unpleasant people thinking, how can they gain control over other people? I, it's so all-encompassing that one is forced to use the word evil uh, about it. And so once you start with that end in mind, and you have to start with that end in mind to not 
recoil and say these things are crazy and they're not linked. But there are lots of other things that have the same kind of themes as Dr. Lee just outlined, you know, attacking you know, families, uh, bringing children into the world and so on. And for example, um, I don't know whether you are as appalled as I am as a father and a grandfather, but the active sexualization of children in our schools internationally certainly taking place in my home country of UK, and I've seen it on the news in America, but it, but it's kind of worse than that. It's not just saying, oh, children uh, are sexual beings, you know, even when they're under 10, for example. Uh, I don't I don't think they are. They, they, so they are they're gendered beings. You know, I have two little grandsons. They, these little guys were male before they could crawl. And th the contrast with having had two female children 30 years ago, myself, just little darlings. <laughs> uh, it's it's obvious to most parents that their their little boys and little girls are exactly that, and not some fluid concept that they get taught about at school. So in hearing that, oh, they should give rein to their sexual uh, expression. I'm sorry, I'm 63. I'm a law-abiding citizen. That's illegal. That's criminal. It's not. I don't care that it's you know uh, I'm old-fashioned. That's not old-fashioned. Uh, you should not sexualize children. Um, I've seen some uh, work by the UN where they're actively trying to, uh, I don't know, lower the age of consent or, or change the way society views sex between adults and children. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it, that's not just criminal. It's diabolical. And there are many other examples, but that was one that came to my mind. Uh, Dr. Lee and, and Jonathan, you, you may have some of your own, but the wider theme, I think, is unfortunately that there's a a multi-pronged attack on us from every direction. And I think they are linked. I can't prove it. I don't have any question they are linked. It's, you know, we go back to the 60s and the professors at Columbia who were inspiring Hillary Clinton and later Barack Obama were Cloward and Piven. And they talked about the way to collapse a society is you open the borders, you flood the nation with immigrants that are there illegally, that are given benefits, that take the tax money from the hardworking people of that nation and give it to those who didn't earn it. And you overwhelm social services, law enforcement, education, medical care, and the courts with all of these illegals. Well, that's exactly what we're seeing. It's all by design. You can list a dozen of these things, open borders, gender fluidity, reproductive damage, assault on the family, premature menopause, sexualizing children, mocking all of our traditional values with Gay Pride Month and with the rainbow being used for perversions instead of God's covenant with the earth as Genesis described, and the, the fact that you've got a destruction of the church, the family, marriage, male, sense of male and female, destroying independent thought, and destroying our connection and community. I mean, how can anyone look at all of those attacks and not say this is orchestrated destruction? Yeah, and I've just got one more, and then I must hand over to, to Jonathan. But the one that concerns me, I really find it creepy, uh, Neuralink. It's a company, I believe, founded by, certainly led by Elon Musk. 
Um, and his vision is the uh, uh, placement in the brain of a chip and fine wires, uh, which, he, which he described as pretty cool. But they just remove a disc of skull uh, from the top of your head, insert this unnamed chip with wires, and, and then what? I mean, I'm enough of a biologist to know this. We don't know how thinking takes place. If, when I have a thought, we do not know scientifically uh, more than arm waving how that actually happens. And, and the important point I'm making in saying that is Elon Musk is an engineer. I'm sh- I have no doubt he's a clever guy, but there's no way you can design an interface, uh, a chip and wires, unless someone like me, a biologist or a neurologist specifically, could say, Elon, this is how a thought works. You know, these are the nerve bundles that are activated when I think, you know, happy thoughts or whatever, or a specific intention or verb or, or, you know, uh, vocalizing. I can only do that very broadly. You know, certain areas are associated with certain functions. But if you're going to insert a chip with wires, which is presumably going to interface with a computer on the outside of the body and either receive information or give instructions, you have to have, at least on paper, a pretty detailed understanding of the machine into which you're going to, with which you're going to interface this Neuralink chip. And so, ladies and gentlemen, my, my belief is that except in extraordinarily rare uh, circumstances where it may be possible to restore you know, function if there's a broken circuit, literally a broken circuit because of trauma or disease, maybe something like this could become bio- a bionic man or woman. But the idea that you can just open the heads of the citizens, insert a chip with wires, and something other than destruction will result is impossible. We do n- you can't inter you cannot intervene safely and in a controlled way with that which you do not understand. We do not understand this. Uh, but as a person only recently returned to faith, it occurred to me that uh, you know, in the still small hours when you're contemplating your place in the universe and <laughs> whether you've done good or bad things in the last day, that's an internal conversation. You're safe inside your skull, right? Or in your chest, wherever you think your feelings are. I think this device, given it cannot do useful things as I've just outlined, I think it's yet another example of a diabolical agenda to, to finally push the, the last frontier is inside a human body where, where you meet your creator. Um, that's my thought anyway. Again, forgive me, uh, folks of faith, if I've got that wrong, but having only been back in faith in two last two years, lots of things are surprising to me, and that one struck me very clearly as a possible. To me, you are correct. Dr. Gilthorpe, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I, I think it's a very interesting point you raise there, Mike. And essentially what this is, at least my understanding, is this concept of transhumanism. Uh, mm. And that is the complete antithesis of God, is that, you know, if humans become smart enough, if technology becomes great enough, then eventually we will be able to supersede the role of God in this world as the creator. Uh, and that's what these types of you know concepts that are being pushed forward by musk um driven by klaus schwab and the world economic forum because they want to connect everyone up into something known as the internet of bodies so that every single person is chipped and connected into a you know ai computer system this is sci-fi on steroids um but you know this is what these these people believe is that 
if we can have enough control over things, we will be able to do without God anymore because we don't need to create. We'll be able to make babies in test tubes from stem cells, which is, you know, just recently been demonstrated as potentially possible. Um, these, this is evil in, in to my mind because, uh, uh, you know, like you, Mike, I wasn't particularly religious until the last few years. Um, but what's been happening recently has driven me more and more mm. to the belief that there is God. Uh, and we have very little control over what happens in the world. So that brings up this interesting uh, dichotomy, if to say, if God is in control of everything, how is it that evil things mm -hmm. happen on earth? And that's maybe a discussion we can have another time. But, you know, these these people really do believe in transhumanism and think that this is, um, and, and this is not a new idea. This goes way back to 1800s, potentially earlier. Well, probably goes way back. There's, there's always been an element of humanity that believed that they could control uh, everything. Mm. And it's just that now that technology has got to such a level that it is potentially at least theoretically possible that you could chip everyone, connect them into some giant computer system. Uh, will it work? No. Will it make life any more happy, good, uh, safe? No. Uh, it's just a total delusion, I think, of those people that have that senseless amounts of money and power that they would want to do those things, that this would actually change their life or anyone else's life. Because in my view, if you, if you don't have that personal connection with God, you are not living life, actually. You're just existing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. It feels that way, too. Uh, and yes, so I'm not, when I outline these things, I want people to uh, hear me mostly just speaking as a, a human being. I'm yeah. not claiming I'm a scientist and therefore you should pay attention to my my concerns about uh, Neuralink. I, I think I think the way you've laid it out, Jonathan, is, is perfectly sensible. It, we do already um, bag and uh, or chip and tag companion animals like, like dogs. Uh, certainly farm animals all have their own digital ID. And increasingly, they have something that you can wave a, a detector over it, like an RFID tag on an expensive piece of clothing in the shop, and it'll the it will signal, and 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 it'll have the digital ID of that of that cow, its ear tag, or a steer, or a sheep, whatever it is. So mm. it's not impossible that what they have in mind with these Neuralinks uh, is at least uh, a physical uh, repository of the digital identification identifier that i believe they will wish to impose on every human being at the moment it could be uh, a, a qr code on your on your mobile phone but they they know fully well that uh we're sneaky people humans and uh you know if i had authority to do something and you didn't jonathan and we were friends and neighbors uh i i, I would lend you my my id and you could just go shopping whatever the restriction was mm -hmm. and i think they want to chip the human being either with a chip you know under the skin of their the, between your thumb and forefinger or, or maybe even ultimately in your brain. Uh, it is possible, I think, uh, for gross control to be manifest through a device like this. Well, for example, we've known since um, Galvani, the, the Italian scientist that uh, <laughs> more or less connected a weather balloon to uh, uh, with a copper wire to a legger of, of, a, of a dismembered frog on his uh, yeah. uh, cork board. And when the lightning flashed, the frog leg twitched because he proved that electrical signals were necessary and sufficient to make a muscle contract through uh, passing a, a signal down the nervous tract from, from the spine down, down into the leg. So 
I have no doubt that um, if you wanted to have essentially like a, an electric electronic collar on a prisoner at the moment, uh, you, you could probably chip people in a way that would allow gross controls by firing something through an external electromagnetic field. You could probably induce you know, pain or temporary, hopefully temporary pain or temporary paralysis. I do think that's possible because you just need to flood an area uh, where Elon Musk's chip and its fine wires extends to. Uh, you know, I, th I think I could draw that out on paper and say, Dr. Gilthorpe, I have this idea of a receiver, you know, and a small, here's a small a power source, and the wires are going to extend to Broca's area to interrupt speech and to the super charismatic optical nucleus so that you couldn't sense day length and so on. And you would say, well, you know, it's not been tried, but it isn't completely stupid. Let's give this a go uh, if you were a demonic figure. So I, I, I do think there could be some science in this, not, I, but it's a completely, as you say, antithetical approach. We don't need to be chipped. And I point out this to about, point this out to people about digital ID. I, I personally think it's extremely likely uh, that governments will, will say you have to have digital ID in order to pr protect minors from pornography online. So age verification. They'll come up with 19 different reasons. You don't need digital ID, ladies and gentlemen. You've not needed, needed all of your life to leave, lead a, a healthy, wholesome, uh, law-abiding life. So I'm urging you to, to tell them that and that you're not going to take it. And if they say, well, there'll be consequences, you should cross your arms and say, so be it. If enough millions of people reject digital ID of a, of a single format all around the world, if enough of us reject it, the system will collapse and they'll have to come at us overtly and then many more people will wake up. So I do think this is our, something that it's worth, it is worth doing. Yeah, I absolutely agree. You know what this just brings to mind when you talk about this, though, Mike? This is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. You know, this was written about centuries yeah. ago and yeah, right. uh, we we know from that story that you know the frankenstein monster wasn't happy being <laughs> um you bring in this guy back to life from body parts and actually if you take this back even further in history it's the it's the rising of osiris um by isis um it's the old egyptian um legend if you if you like um, yeah yeah and yeah. honestly, the Promethean Lee, legend as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I don't know mm. what you know, Dr. Lee, about Washington, D.C., but much of D.C. is built upon this Osiris uh, legend of Isis, Osiris, Horus. I mean, that's what the Washington column is in D.C. Um, basically, it, it's Osiris's stone penis because Isis couldn't find that body part after he was hacked up by <laughs> Seth. Uh, and she had to form a new one out of stone and then impregnated herself and then gave birth to Horus. So this idea of, you know, transhumanism and artificial life goes back way back uh, millennia, I would say. This is just a modern reinvention of it that we're facing at the moment. And it will fail. Well, you know, it might be interesting to do a, a discussion with the three of us on that, that legend and how we see it playing out today, which is similar to the way that we see biblical a discussion of the evil going on in the Old Testament time frame. I mean, I was just reading a number of the minor prophets in the Old Testament, and the same evils that we've just listed today were described in all of them. Now, the good news is that the bottom line was God 
held the evildoers accountable in many of these ancient civilizations that were engaging in idol worship and child sacrifice and pornography and debauchery and corruption and all of the things we're seeing. They were destroyed in God's judgment. And I think we are seeing that beginning to unfold today. And that is why it is important that all of us who see this for what it is, evil, and the evil assault on God's design of life and the planet and social order and all of the things that have ruled us in the modern era, we need to turn back to God, as both of you talk about, the fact that you've had this reawakening and this turning back to faith. I think that's what God is calling us to do. I think that's part of our job. It's part of our mission on this show. Why are all three of us brought together as people of faith who see it as evil, who know we're in a spiritual battle, as well as political, economic, and battle for control? medically controlling us as well. Why are we all brought together? I think that's God's hand calling us to this mission. It's I don't know, a, Dr. Yee, yeah. you have talked about that. <laughs> well, absolutely. It's just uh, the, the more we've, I've gone on through this, uh, this experience, I've, I've often said to people, you know, just, just a remarkable set of uh, coincidences. I mean, I, I, I have described this, in fact, in an interview with you, Dr. Lee, that you know, um, so so I was adopted uh, as a 16-year-old by uh, uh, a Jewish family because my 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 family had broken up and then my father emigrated, um, and it gave me you know exposure to the you know the cultural heritage and some of the tragedies, of course, of, of the European Jew- Jewish movement. Um, and uh, and so now now I find myself they were also put me on my feet, should we say, and encouraged me. Um, and I worked hard at university and, you know, I stayed close to their family until both of their deaths and attended their funerals in, in synagogue and so on as, as a secular, a secular person, but just the things I chose to study. Um, most people, there aren't courses in toxicology. Uh, it's very hard to do that. And, and I had a course that was mechanistic toxicity taught to me by people who were, we would consider founders of the field. And I never used it really, except just to, like avoid running off the racetrack, you know, not making toxic molecules all of my life. And it's been incredibly useful once in the case of detecting. So I, I was able to stand up and say, stop, these these agents are deliberately toxic. And, and I'm not sure there's very many other people in the world that would have that background, uh, 30 years in the industry and that toxicology training to look at this and say, and make that judgment and be willing to say it. Because a lot of people are concerned when I've spoken to people, they've thought I've, I've thought odd things were going on, but they would say, you know, I didn't have the confidence to speak out because no one else was, or I'm not an expert in this field. How the hell am I going to get started? So just anyway, and there are just loads of coincidences uh, that led me to you know, speaking out because people have asked me, why am I doing it? And I haven't got a particularly good idea other a good, I haven't got a slick answer other than we're facing, we're facing wrong things and evil things. And I needed to warn people. That's it, really. I think that's so critical. And as we come to the end of today's show, let's go back and remember what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said 
at the time of World War II, he was a Lutheran minister. And he called everyone to speak out against evil. Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. Dr. Gilthorpe, Dr. Eden, thank you both for the courage to speak out against the evil assault on life, on our families, our communities, our countries. It is happening from all directions. And it takes people of courage to speak out against it and to help to warn others. Thank you for being part of the courageous people who are standing for truth against evil. This is Dr. Lee for America. We'll be back with another whistleblower report tomorrow. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org. Join our crusade. We are silent no more. And please donate to support our critically important work to help bring the truth to the world against the lies and deception of the evil assaulting us. Thank you for being with us and please share our message.